from the 16th chapter of Mark. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to each other, Who will roll the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place that they had laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now after he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went out and told those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After this, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. Later, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were sitting at the table. And he upbraided them for their lack of faith and stubbornness because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. I'd like us to think today about three surprises at the tomb that the, uh, that the women experienced, at least, at least three surprises at the tomb. You know, they had this really uh, grim task of going to the tomb and anointing Jesus' body one last time. It was a, another expression of love, uh, one last expression of love to give to Jesus by anointing his body. So they, were, they realized, oh, wait a second, who's going to roll that stone away from the tomb that we can, we can actually be with Jesus and anoint him? And they were thinking about that and talking with that. So their, their first surprise, hey, the stone's been rolled away. Now, what's interesting in the Greek language, and you, you can't pick this up so well in the English language, but it's there in the Greek, is that the stone was not only rolled away from the opening to the tomb, it was actually pushed up the hillside into which the, the tomb had been built, had been, had been dug. So can you imagine? the stone was shifted up. Now, a few men could roll that stone, no doubt, away, just roll it away. 
How many men would it take to push that thing up the hillside? A whole lot, a whole lot. So their, their surprise was not simply that the stone wasn't in front of the tomb, but the surprise was it had been literally like it had been picked up and carried up the, the hillside into which the, the tomb was built. So they, they were surprised. And then they had the courage, the freedom to walk into the tomb. And there was this, it's described as a young man, but it was an angel there in the tomb. So, whoa, they didn't expect that. They expected the dead. Uh, or maybe they thought, well, okay, maybe someone has stolen his body. And that may be maybe what they thought when they first looked in and they saw that there was no body in there. But they walked in anyway, and here this uh, man was, and he's glittering clothes, and, and so he questioned, you know, what you, you know Jesus, he's not, he's not here. He, he, hey, hey, ladies, he said he was going to rise from the dead, right? Don't you remember? Don't you remember he said that? And that's what he's done. He's not here. He's not here. Uh, go tell his disciples about what has happened, uh, but he's risen just like, like he said he, he would. Uh, so they, they were utterly terrorized. I mean, who, who wouldn't be, be terrorized? Who wouldn't run out of that tomb just totally blown away from what, from what they first experienced? They didn't want to talk about it for a while because this, this was too... Too mind-blowing. It was just too mind-blowing for them. But then there was a third surprise. Started with Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. And the third surprise, of course, was Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene. Appeared to her and talked with her. So she not only had a revelation from this angel in the tomb that Jesus had risen, now she saw Jesus with her own eyes. She didn't have to have faith in the resurrection because she had faith in what she was seeing. She, had, she could see him. You know, it's one thing to be told that something has happened. It's another thing to see it with your own eyes and experience it with your own life. So these, these three surprises by, by the women uh, experience of Jesus' tomb, I think have a lot to say to us about the, the dynamic faith relationship Christ wants to have with us. Let's look at the rock. Let's look at the rock first of all, that first surprise. You know that rock kind of represents God's creative work in the world. You know, we see things, we hear things, we feel things, we smell things around us. Um, we have this experience with the created world. And many people believe in God because they believe there has to be a creator behind all that we see around us, all the beauty that we see around us, all the wonder that we see around us. There's the rock of Gibraltar. Have any of you seen the rock of Gibraltar, any of you, any of us? No, I haven't either. How about Chimney, Chimney Rock, North Carolina? Yeah, we've, we've been there, Sherry and I. How about Stone Mountain in uh, Georgia? Yeah, more of us have seen Stone Mountain. I mean, wow, big rocks. <laughs> but they, they speak of a creator, just as everything does. And our, our mouths are wide open, we see these things, our eyes are wide open in amazement. So the world around us speaks of a, a creator, a designer, uh, who made all this. He made it for, for order, for beauty, and for wonder. 
However, the women didn't stop there. They went on into the tomb. And they had this message from this angel. And I believe the angel here represents God's revelation of himself through Holy Scripture. God has spoken to us through Holy Scripture. God has spoken to us. You know, there's only so much you can learn from a rock, right? There's only so much you can learn from a tree or anything else around us, as beautiful as they are, as wonderful as they are. There's so much you can learn about God through what's created. So what has God done? He has spoken to us through Holy Scripture. He's told us about himself. He's told us about his will, about his kingdom, about his love. And it's all there in Holy Scripture for us to believe. However, God has done even more than giving us a book, a book of books. He's done something more. He's come to us in Jesus of Nazareth. Fellow human being. You know, you can walk up and look Jesus right in the eye and look God right in the eye. People could hear God's voice. They could touch him. Mary Magdalene, the disciples, and others, they received more than just an angel's revelation. They saw the Lord. They saw, they heard the resurrected Jesus. To be a Christian, we've got to go beyond the rocks, the stones of life, the creation. We've even got to go beyond um, Scripture. Now, I love Scripture. I know you do too. But we can know the Bible inside and out. We can know what it says. You know who knows the Bible better than you do or than I do, than any of us do? You know who knows, who knows the Bible better than any of us do? Satan. Satan knows the Bible better than you do, than I do. What did he use to tempt Jesus with? You know what he used in it? What did he use? He used scripture. He used scripture. Satan doesn't trust and obey God, does he? That's his problem. So we can, we can know the Bible really well, know it inside out, but not, where, not be where we should be. We gotta go to where Mary Magdalene went, and where eventually the disciples went. With the eyes of faith, we need to see, we must experience Jesus. With our hearts and our minds, we must trust Him with every detail of our lives. With our wills, we must choose to obey Him and follow Him. That's what, that's what embracing the risen one is all about. Allowing Him to be a part of our lives right now, here and now. Mary Magdalene met the resurrected Lord. We need to ask ourselves, have I really met Jesus? Have I really met him with the eyes of faith? You know, the disciples didn't believe what Mary Magdalene had to say, right? I don't believe you, woman. I don't believe you. And then word came back from two men. Now, these are men. And they said, well, hey, we talked to Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Nah, you're, you're, you're lying to me. You're, you're telling me a tale. They didn't believe. So 
when Jesus finally caught up to the disciples, was Jesus, was Jesus in a good disposition when he caught up to the disciples? <laughs> no. He was upset. How can you not believe? How can you be so stubborn? It's all, I've told you all about this going to happen. You didn't believe the testimony of the women or the, the two men. Shame, shame, shame. That's basically what he said to them. Shame, shame, shame. That you didn't believe me in the first place when I told you this was going to happen. And shame that you didn't believe the testimony. Shame you didn't believe the testimony. I think Jesus still gets angry today with many of us, quite honestly. Probably with all of us. Get right down to it. Shame, shame, shame. It's all there in Scripture. The church is here. Why don't you trust me? Why don't you obey me as you should? Shame, shame, shame. It's all there. Why don't you know me as I've called you to know me in your daily life? And walk with me as I've called you to walk with me. Where are your eyes of faith in your heart of obedience? You know, the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I don't know about you. I mean, you know, what, what, what I think that is saying, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't just mean that we're saved in the sense that we go forward at a revival service and we're saved. Or we pray a prayer and we invite Christ into our lives, as good as that is, and we're saved and everything's good. No. What I think it's saying here is, you know, we're to be saved from all the fears and all the uh, anger and all the other stuff that crowds into our life day by day. And we need to call upon the Lord to save us. I don't know about you, but I have thoughts that enter my mind every day and I just have to say, hey, this is not from God. And I, but I got to pray and I say, Lord, help me get rid of this thought. I know this isn't from you. Save me from the, this attitude, thought, whatever. I know it's not from you. I need to be saved from this. I need to be saved from this. And so, so being saved, knowing Jesus, knowing the resurrected one, is an ongoing thing. It's an everyday thing. We need salvation every day. We need to be saved from thoughts of hatred or thoughts of indifference or prejudicial thoughts or just any habit or anything that we have that we know doesn't please the Lord. Otherwise, he's going to say to us, as he said to his disciples, shame, shame, shame. He doesn't say that because he doesn't love us anymore. No, because he does love us. He loved his disciples. And he said, guys, get it together here. Get it together. There's too much at, at risk here. You've got you to trust me and you've got to obey me. There's, there's, too much at, there's, there's too much here not to. And you know, there's just so much. That, you know, the people around us, they're looking for God. They're looking to see Jesus. They may not know they're looking for God. They may not know they're looking for Jesus, but they really are. And we've got to help them see Jesus through our lives. We've got to help them see Jesus. That they, they see our love, they see our care, our willingness to forgive, 
and they see Jesus, because that's who Jesus is, because that's who Jesus is. So, so my prayer is that we can really see Jesus and really walk with him and be saved day by day from all those nasty things that speak really more of Satan than they do of God, right? Things that speak of Satan more than God. We gotta be saved from those things. Let's pray. I wanna say a prayer, and if this prayer expresses the desire of your heart right now, I encourage you to pray it quietly as I pray it out loud. Lord Jesus, I call upon your name. I wanna trust and obey you in new ways. I don't, simp I don't want to simply know about you. I want to know you, experience you day by day. I need your help. I want your help. May your Spirit, the Holy Spirit, speak to me, direct me, help me, empower me to know how I may bring glory to you. Help me to help others know you as Savior, as friend, as master. Please allow me to experience in new and wonderful ways the abundant life that you said that you came to give to me and to others. I am trusting you for your love, even as I commit myself right now to greater obedience to your will. Amen.